no introduction. So one welcome to Hayley. She's a fantastic communicator. Awesome. Love it. Oh, stop it. Love you guys. You can sit down. Hey, I just wanted to say a very happy birthday. 30th birthday to Adam Frost. What a guy. He beat me to 30 by just over a month, which you'd never believe because when you look at him, he just hasn't aged from the moment that you met him. And I know we all crack jokes about it, to be honest, because sometimes I think that you've got like the gift of, like Frosty is like almost Benjamin Buttoning, you know, Benjamin Buttoning. I actually think that you should bring baby photos of yourself to prove that you weren't born an old man so that we all know that you're actually not. But you know, it's so funny, I was thinking about you before the service. I was thinking about the fact that Frosty, you know, is like the ageless man, doesn't age past 16. And I thought to my 16, <laughs> yeah, this is a preaching with like Kath and Kim, 16, all right. But you know what I thought to myself? I actually felt the Holy Spirit say to me, like his face is youthful just like his spirit. And if you know Frosty, you would know that he's not just youthful on the outside, you carry a youthful spirit. And I honestly felt over your life that there is gonna be something about you. You will never lose your first love, your first passion. You're not gonna go cynical or jaded. And I honestly believe that it will be a witness to the world because they're like, man, that guy's soul does not age. It doesn't get jaded, it doesn't get cynical. And that's gonna be a witness to the world about the love of Christ. I honestly believe that. Give him a round of applause. All right. But right now, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you that you're here. Father, we thank you that you're here. Lord, and we thank you that where you are, man, all things are possible. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and for your love towards us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you didn't just start up creation and step back. God, you sent Jesus and you stepped in to creation. Lord, that you are so care about what happens to us on this earth. And so I pray, Lord, tonight would be a moment for people where you step in where they just feel, man, God stepped into my circumstance tonight and I was forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, um, I don't know if you've ever said this saying, but I found myself saying something recently. It slipped into my language. Have you ever said it is what it is? Like it just is what it is? And when you say it, like you just mean like, that's just the way things are. You know, it is what it is. This is how the situation is going. You know, you go to McDonald's, you try and buy your McNuggets, your card declines. It is what it is, eh? You're like trying to drive down Botany Road, stuck in traffic. It just is what it is. That's just the way it is, you know? You go to the bathroom, there's no toilet paper. How many people know it is what it is, all right? Just is what it is. That's the way things are. We kind of use it to describe that is just the way that situation is and it's not gonna change. Sometimes we use that statement around like our nation. We think about our community. We think about where we live and we think, man, that's just the way things are. Discrimination, that's just the way it is. You know, issues in our community, poverty or whatever. Well, that's just the way our community is. It's the way things always have been. Some people are preferred more than others. That's just the way that it is. We might use it in our personal lives to describe what's happening in our personal lives. You know, you might say you have sickness and you're trying to sound like accepting about your sickness. You just say, oh, well, just, it is what it is. This is my experience on planet Earth. It just is what it is. Or, you know, you're describing your family to someone. And you might say, oh, there's a situation in my family. It just, it just is what it is. It's always been that way. That's just the way things are. And, you know, when we use that statement, it almost sounds like wisdom, doesn't it? Like it almost sounds like accepting. Like, I'm not gonna get angry about it. I'm not gonna be emotional about it. I'm just accepting that these are the way things are and I'm going to move on. 
I wonder if it's acceptance or if it's settling. Settling for what you got rather than pressing on to what God has for you. It's an amazing story. The Israelites, when they come out of Egypt, slavery in Egypt, and one of the reasons, you know, the main reason God busts them out is to get them into this place called the promised land, which has been called the promised land because it was the land he promised them. Deep teaching. I'm helping you tonight. I'm helping you tonight. That's why it's called the promised land. And the Bible says it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey, which is like biblical language for really, really good. All right, we wouldn't use that today. You don't go to the beach and say, oh, the beach was amazing. It flowed with milk and honey. No one says that, right? But you read that in the Bible and you go, oh my gosh, that means it's amazing. It means that this land was overflowing with provision and abundance, flowing with milk and honey. And so the Israelites are busted out of slavery, right? And they get to the edge of the promised land. They send some spies in. Do you know what happens? The spies come back. They're like, just so you know, this land is flowing with milk and honey. That's really, really good. But there are giants in the land who we can't defeat. It is what it is. Let's just settle here. How many times in our lives do we settle for less than God's best? What have you said over your life that just is what it is? We settle for disunity in our families. We settle for a job that we hate. We settle for discontentment. We settle for being trapped in a cycle of sin. We settle for addiction. Why? Because, well, it just is what it is. I'm not enough to get out of it. I'm not strong enough to make my way out of it. This situation is impossible. It just is what it is. So I'm gonna settle here. I'm gonna make the best of here. Have you ever noticed that it is what it is until it's not? It is what it is until it's, just a question. Was it was? what it was at Lazarus's tomb. Steep teaching. Was it what it was at the fiery furnace? Was it what it was with Paul and Silas in prison? Was it what it was when a baby was promised to Abraham in his old age? Was it what it was when Paul was shipwrecked? Was it what it was when he was bitten by a poisonous snake? Was it what it was when Elijah prayed for rain after years and years of no rain? Was it what it was on the cross of Jesus Christ? Because in all of these situations, you would have said, they are dead, they are done. These are the facts. It is what it is, it is finished. But how many people know it is what it is until it's not? See, I don't know what you have called in your life dead, done, and finished. I don't know what you have written off with no hope of resurrection. I don't know what you have stopped and left no room for God to do, but I have a word for you tonight. It's simple. It is not what it is. Man, if Scripture tells us everything, it tells us that it is not what it is. You might be here tonight, you're saying, well, Hayley, you just rattled off a bunch of Bible stories. Well done, you proved you've read it, you know. But that's not true of my life. You don't know my life. If you knew my life, you wouldn't be making the declaration that it is not what it is. How do I know? Actually, that's a great question. Let's talk about that tonight. How many people know that in order to make a perfect judgment of a situation, you need to be in possession of all the facts? If you wanna make a good judgment on the situation, you need to be in possession of all the facts. How many people have made bad judgments because they have not been in possession of all the facts right here all the time? 
Have you ever had someone come to you and they tell you a sob story about what someone did to you and you're like, that person should pay, you should go and talk to them, they need to get what they deserve and then the next week you talk to the person who you were calling down all the judgment on and you find out their side of the story and suddenly your judgment changes. Why? Because suddenly you're in possession of all the facts and so you can make a good judgment call. I've got a question. You know that situation in your life which you are calling dead and done? You know that situation in your life which you have written off? Are you in possession of all the facts that pertain to your situation? See, the Israelites in 1 Samuel 17, story of David and Goliath, they thought they were in possession of all the facts. Listen, they had all the natural facts, right? What happened every day, this big monstrous man called Goliath would wander out and he'd say to them, hey, if you send down one man to fight me, and you win, we will serve you. But if you lose, you have to serve us. What happens? The Bible says that for 40 days, every day Goliath came out and not once did an Israelite rise up to challenge him. Why? They thought they were in possession of all the facts. This is what they thought to themselves. Goliath big, me small. This was slow, like this is how it went. Goliath very, very big. Israelites very, very small, right? We're never gonna be able to defeat him in a battle. Just a question, were they in possession of all the facts? Were they in possession of all the supernatural facts that pertain to their situation? Because yeah, Goliath was big, but how many people know the God of angel armies who stood behind Israel was far bigger, far mightier, far stronger. Let me tell you about that situation that you are facing off. Are you aware of the strength and the power of the God who stands behind you? Have you factored him into your decision-making? Have you factored in him into your judgment? Because the truth is, part of God's nature, I hope you know, part of God's nature, intrinsic to who he is, is this. He's all-powerful. In theology, we call it omnipotent because it sounds fancy, right? Omnipotent, and we think that, that mean God mean, it means that God is really, really strong or really, really mighty. But do you know, actually, a better translation of that is not all powerful, but that God has all ability. In other words, God has all ability to do whatever He wants to do. In fact, He is only limited Himself in two ways. One, by a human free will. In other words, God has all ability to do whatever He wants, but He won't impede human free will. The second way He's limited Himself is by His own nature. In other words, God is all able to do whatever He wants, but He won't do anything that violates His own nature. Go with me because this is very exciting. Because just as God is all powerful, just as God has all ability, He is also unchanging. Meaning His character, His nature, and get this, His words will never change. His promises will never change. Once God makes a promise, He binds Himself and all of His ability to making that promise correct. Do you have all the promises that pertain to your situation? Do you have all the information that pertain to your situation because if you did, would you really be calling it done? Would you really be saying it is what it is? Come on, have you factored in that he never leaves or forsakes you? Have you factored in that the, the, the battle, excuse me, belongs to the Lord? Have you factored in that he has promised to work all things together for your good? Have you factored in all the promises that pertain to your situation? Because if you did, would you really be declaring it is what it is? Or would you be having some rise up in your faith?
that says, I know what I see in the natural, but heaven is telling me a different story. And as long as I have breath in my lungs and faith in my spirit, I'm gonna declare heaven's truth into my reality. Come on, it is not what it is. Did you know today that your pain can be the very platform that God uses to display His glory? Did you know that your greatest battles, your greatest weakness, what you perceive to be your greatest shortfall can be the very platform that God uses to put His glory on display? Am I saying God authors the pain? No, no. But you can believe that He's gonna turn it around and use that pain as a platform, get this, for your good and for His glory. In your notes, check out Isaiah 61, an amazing scripture. This is what it says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair, instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let me do some teaching here for just a minute. I don't know where the enemy is trying to bring havoc in your life. I don't know what he's trying to break down. I don't know what he's trying to tear apart. But you gotta know this. The enemy only ever works in opposition to what the Spirit of God is doing. The enemy only ever works in opposition to what the Spirit of God is doing. Look at this scripture. What, the en- what God seeks to bind up, the enemy seeks to break. Where the enemy, excuse me, when God seeks to bring joy, that's where the enemy is seeking to bring despair. Where God seeks to bring freedom, that's where the enemy is trying to seeking to bring captivity. Why? Because he only ever works in opposition to what the Spirit of God is doing. The enemy is not a creator. Only God is a creator. And so when he works, he only ever works in opposition. He only tries to take out of being what God is bringing into being. Let me give you an application of this point. The easiest way for you to try and see in your life what God is trying to bless is to look at what the enemy is trying to curse. The quickest way to see what God is on the move to bless in your life is to see what the enemy is trying to curse. Why? Because the enemy only ever works in opposition. Man, can we have some rise up in your spirit that says when the enemy is trying to bring havoc, man, I'm not gonna fall back into despair. I'm not gonna fall back into negativity. I'm gonna rise up and say, enemy, you have shown your hand. If you're trying to curse it, that must mean that God is on the move to bless it. And so I'm gonna join with the blessing of God and declare that it is not what it is. He only ever works in opposition. Come on, he only ever works against what God is trying to do. And so instead of sitting back in the cursing, why don't you step forward into the blessing of what God is trying to do in your life? Come on, your greatest pain, your greatest battle can be the very platform that God puts his glory on display. How many people know that the fiery furnace was a platform for the delivering power of God to be put on display? 
How many people know that the blindness of the beggar was the very platform that the healing power of God put on display? How many people know that the cross, an instrument of death, was the very platform that God put eternal life on display? Why? Because it is not, it is not, it is not what it is. And most of us know this intrinsically. Man, I can testify to this. My greatest season of healing has come out of my greatest season of brokenness. My greatest seasons of intimacy have come out of the seasons where I have felt the furthest from God. Man, my greatest seasons of hearing the voice of God have been birthed out of seasons when I haven't felt like I've heard Him at all. Because the enemy only ever works in opposition. And if he's working hard to curse it, my God is on the move to bless it. It is not what it is. So this is what it says uh, in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, uh, 2 Corinthians, no, yeah, 2 Corinthians 19. But he said to me, this is God speaking, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Did you know that your weakness is the platform for God to display his strength? This is what it says in Romans. Romans 5.20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace, grace increased all the more. Did you know that the greatest area of failing and sin in your life is also the very area where there is super abounding grace available to you? Man, I hope you're getting it tonight. It is not what it is. No matter what the natural is trying to tell you, no matter what the enemy is trying to convince you of, Scripture tells us a different story. Scripture testifies to us that it is not what it is. Can we get today that where we fail, where we're weak, where we're limited, that's the very place where God can show His supernatural working power. Let me say it one more time. It is not what it is. See, I think we need to change our confession. I think we need to change what we're saying. Those situations that you've said, I can't do it, it's done, it's dead, it's too much. Those places that we've declared, it is what it is. You know what I think we need to say? I think we need to start saying, it is as it is. Our Father in heaven, honoured be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, it is not what it is. It is as it is in heaven. And if all of heaven's promises are true for me, then I'm gonna speak heaven's truth into my reality. Let it be for me as it is in heaven. I'm not settling for sickness in my body. Let it be for me as it is in heaven. I'm not settling for anxiety. Let it be for me as it is in heaven. I'm not settling for disunity in my family. Let it be for me as it is in heaven. I gotta tell you, it is not what it is. It is as it is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. As it is in heaven. If the band would like to join me. I think we need to change our confession. So I wonder how the disciples felt. I wonder how the disciples felt as they watched Jesus kneeling in a garden called Gethsemane. I wonder what they thought to themselves as soldiers rolled up to arrest him. I wonder what they thought as they saw him stand trial before human authorities. I wonder how they felt as they saw him sentenced to death. 
I wonder what they thought to themselves as they watched him carry a cross. I wonder how they felt as they saw his lifeless body hanging on a cross. I wonder if they thought, it is what it is. Nice thought, nice dream, not our reality. Little did they know that Resurrection Sunday was coming. Little did they know that it was not what it is. Little did they know that death was about to be swallowed up by glorious, overwhelming life. Little did they know that Sunday was just around the corner. And I don't know what it is that you pinned to a cross and called dead. I don't know what you gave up as lost. I don't know what dream or thing that you left behind long ago. I don't know what it was, but I do know this. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. I hope you know that Sunday is coming. I hope you know that it is not what it is. Come on, can it be it is as it is? Can we start to confess it is as it is? Our Father in heaven, honoured be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be for you as it is in heaven. Today I bless you with peace where there's been anxiety. I bless you with peace where there has been discord. I bless you with healing where there has been sickness. I bless you with hope where there has been despair. I bless you with faith where there has been doubt. I bless you with vision where you have lost your sight. I bless you with a renewed vigor where there has been fatigue. I bless you with the sight to see the new day coming. I bless you with the ability to believe that Sunday is just around the corner. Lord, I pray for the people today who have lost their faith and lost their hope. And right now I pray that you meet them in a real and tangible way. Lord, that they would shift their eyes from the natural and that they would shift up to the supernatural, that you would give them eyes to see the God that stands behind them and a heart that believes that it is not what it is. It is as it is. And we, your people, pray together. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in this earth and in our hearts. Your will be done in this earth and in our hearts as it is in heaven. With every eye closed, every head bowed. Man, maybe you're here today and honestly, you came into this place not knowing Jesus. Let me speak to you about you. You were created for peace. You were created for life. More than anything, you were created for a relationship with God. You were created for heaven. But you don't have that, why? Well, the Bible talks about this thing called sin and sin is the wrong in your life that separates you from God. The Bible says that we've all done it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but it also said 
is that God loved us too much to leave us where we were. And so He sent Jesus, Jesus who knew no sin, died for our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus died on a cross so that you could have the peace, the life, the relationship with God, the eternity that you were created to have. All you need to do is make Him the Lord of your life. Give your life to Him. Turn from your sin. Turn from your ways. Turn from your wrong and follow Him. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that tonight. I wanna give you an opportunity to make Him the Lord of your life. So if you're in this place, you're saying, yep, that's me. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna ask you to say, yep, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus tonight. One, God loves you too. He's speaking to you right now. Three, if that's you right now across this place, could you raise your hand? Saying, I wanna give my hand to Jesus tonight. Awesome, God bless you. Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anyone else who's saying, I wanna make that decision to give Jesus my life tonight? Awesome. Once you've put your hand up, you can put it right back down. Church, would you repeat after me? Say this prayer, say, Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Saviour. Today, I give my life to You, holding nothing back. I turn from sin and choose to follow You. Thanks to You, I'm free. In Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't you stand? We're gonna sing a song.